from the work of Christ, you are naked and it's ugly. Take it from the rest of us. It's ugly. And yet, I imagine the Bible tells us they went and hid themselves, right? You imagine them hiding behind them bushes and, you know, what, what was going through their brain? They were feeling anxiety like a feeling they had never experienced before. But I'm so glad that this is the whole point of the good news of the gospel. That's why Peter, in this letter, uh, writes to them very early in the letter and reminds them, he says, For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by the tradition of your fathers, is not religion, but you're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That Christ died for you and me and his blood washes away, cleanses away our sin. And because of what Christ does for us, we receive his righteousness. And we now are back in the eyes of God in our standing before God, our positional sanctification. We are now without spot and are prepared for heaven. Amen and amen. That's why Jesus said in John 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, to a righteous man, a, a moral man, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter how good you are, how religious you are, apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ, no human being has a, has a prayer of living with God for all eternity. But because of Jesus Christ, because of the free gift of, e, of eternal life through the grace that God offers us, when one simply receives it by faith in the finished work of Christ, we are declared righteous, baptized into the body of Christ, and now, praise God, we are born again. That's why Peter later in that same initial part of his letter refers to this saying, being born again in verse 23 of chapter 1, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. He reminds them that they've been born again by the word of God. Boy, whoo, so glad that it's not based on me, but it's based on him. Not based on my behavior, but it's based on belief. Get it out of your mind that when you receive Christ, that now somehow if you do this, you do that, you're not good enough anymore. No, 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 no. When God gives you a gift, he gives you a gift, and you've been born into the family of God, and there ain't no going back. Now, that being said, throughout 1 Peter, because a Jewish audience, we find a lot of Old Testament, Old Testament references and Peter reminds them, just as in the Old Testament, the, the, the children of Israel, which are a picture of the believer, they, they were delivered out of Egypt by the blood, and they went through the Red Sea, and then, then they started to try to live the Christian life as they headed towards the, the promised land. And God reminds them that they were saved, they were born again, not just for no purpose at all, but there's purpose and meaning in it. Matter of fact, Peter, in that opening part of the letter, again, deals with this issue, and he says to these Jewish believers, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. And he's saying, don't live in the flesh like you used to live before you knew Christ. Don't be that same old person that you were in, in bondage to the demands of your body. He goes on, verse 15, but as he which hath called you is holy... So be ye holy in all manner of conversation. In other words, in lifestyle. Because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. In other words, in the Christian life, we are positionally declared holy the moment we receive. Christ is our personal Savior. But then we have to live in this life, still in this old body. And yet, God reminds us that his goal is that we live a holy life. 
This is why today so much of Christianity just Christianizes everything the world does. It, on one hand, angers me, brings me passion, but it, it, it astounds me, and sometimes I get so disappointed. I'm not going to call any names out. I sure thought about it, but I'm not going to do it. But it, it, it breaks my heart when I see folks that, that I believe legitimately do know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're, they're relatively good people in the way they live their life, and they're trying to be a testimony in the public culture. But then they come along and have to put on Twitter or some way how great Rihanna's halftime show was. Sorry, I'm going to be unpolitically incorrect, but if you as a Christian can sit and watch that and say that's edifying to your Christian walk, you need to have a conversation with God. And I know it's not popular preaching today, but it's the truth. Peter says to them, just as God said in the Old Testament, be ye holy as I am holy, you and I as believers today ought to live lives of holiness. And my, that has been lost on the church. Again, you all know my stand. I'm not talking about legalistic stuff where some guy like me gets up and tells everybody how to live. No, 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 no. There's individual soul liberty before Christ, but boy, I'll tell you, your heart and my heart, when the Bible says you abstain from fornication, well, I think it's pretty clear. When he says to think on things that are lovely and have a good report and are morally virtuous, in Philippians chapter four, I don't know where you go with that. You can't take the halftime show and put it along Philippians 4, 8. They don't work. And so as we go through this series, all of us, I believe, to some level have issues with anxiety. And the first thing you need to know is that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And second, that you've made a decision that you want to live your life in obedience, as Peter said, as an obedient child, not a disobedient one. And so when we come to the end of this letter, uh, the theme verse and the verse that really got me started on this is a familiar verse. And I'd been studying this book and then this chapter because of another sermon I was working on. And then I got into this chapter and sometimes you go to familiar verses and I'd say, oh, I know that verse, I know that verse. But for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit stopped me there and I just couldn't get out of this chapter and I just kept thinking about it. And that's when he, the Spirit started telling me, I want you to talk about anxiety. And I'd say, no, I don't want to talk about anxiety. Oh, I want you to preach, preach on anxiety. But Lord, that's going to give me anxiety. Um, no, preach on it. So here I am. So I've been studying it and, I, and the verse it, right there in the middle of chapter number five, 14 verses. So slap dab in the middle there of chapter number five, standing maybe as a, one of the, 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 the amazing thoughts of this chapter is verse number seven, where the Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Most of you know that verse, don't you? Boy, it's good. I haven't prayed yet, which I didn't do on purpose, but I'm going to now. So pray with me, would you? Holy Spirit of God and Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for your finished work. Lord, as I stand here week after week and have the privilege of reminding folks and celebrating your finished work because of the great love that you have for each and every one of us, Lord, I'm thankful for the forgiveness, the redemption that is found in your work. Lord, I pray for those of us who are Christians that as we enter into this time and deal with life issues that, that bring this anxiety upon us, that bring a fear and paralysis in our spiritual and even our physical lives, God, may we see your truth through your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 
as I thought on this verse, and then, of course, if you know, I like to go back to the original languages, and I looked through that, and I just kept mulling things in, and I think, boy, I, I expected some things to be in the imperative, and they really weren't in the imperative. So I'm kind of putting it together, and things that were coming to me in this verse, and this morning, be, as we begin this chapter, I just want to spend a few minutes in verse number seven. We're told first to cast all our cares upon him. Cast all our cares. The Greek word there for the word care has the idea of, of being drawn in different directions or to be distracted. To be drawn in different directions or be distracted. Um, one guy that I read used a good illustration of if you think of life, and if you're a stay-at-home mom or a working mom, a mom at all, um, life is like juggling. Matter of fact, Matt was mentioning that if you're a small business owner, all of us. Life is juggling the different responsibilities we have. And if you're like me, and I know many of you, life keeps giving you more and more responsibilities, right? And you keep juggling them. And you know, I, I thought this morning to find out if anybody here could juggle. Does anybody here juggle? I didn't bring any, any things here for you to juggle, no knives or anything, but you can a little bit, Mike, a WANA commander, a former commander, well, still part-time commander, WANA Mike. Um, but you know, if I had one ball to juggle... Now, I still may not be able to do that very good given I don't have much feeling in my hands, but I'd have a pretty good chance at juggling one. And all the women, if you're married to a man, that's pretty much the limit of a man is one. Give us one thing to do and we're fine. But the problem is you, you ladies, I would say three, four of them, you've got them going up in the air, you got the kids thing going, you got the work thing going, you got cleaning the house going, you got friends coming over going, you got them all up in the air and you make them look pretty easy. And as long as you're not distracted too much on any one of the balls in the air, you can keep it going. But if you got distracted in any way and I were to come up alongside you and go, hey, like that, or you just got one of the balls started lighting up and your eyes got focused just on one of the ones instead of the other ones, you all know what happens, right? Yeah, yeah, you've had some of that, right, Nick? Boom, down they all come. Crash and burn. And when we're keeping all these things in the air, all the responsibilities of your life and then you're living life, the expectations of other people, the fear of failure, the battles of self-worth, the issues of thinking the actions that you take, you know the consequences they may have on other people, all these things, financial things, and they're all just going around up there and it produces anxiety. And as I said, it's unique for each individual and I suppose the way we handle anxiety even is probably has some relative relationship to even men versus women. Men tend to take things and internalize. Typically, we just, if you know, uh, we get our box out. You remember some of the folks remember the teaching on the boxes? You know, I love that teaching with the marriage. If you don't know that, I'll have to get to it in these days. But we men, we, put, we get our different boxes and we put whatever in our box and we put it away. Women, don't, not so easy. Uh, one of my favorite comedians the other day, I, I, I heard him, he didn't know he, he was demonstrating this principle, but when I heard this, I, I'd been thinking about this principle, and I'm like, oh, that, 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 that pretty much demonstrates it. Uh, he, he starts out his little routine by making this statement of fact that women always have more questions than men have answers. Women always have more questions than men have answers, Right? 
He goes, several months ago, I got a text from one of my friends named Bill. And Bill sent him, he says, sent me a text. And the text simply said, please pray for Tom. He's been in a bad wreck. So he goes, I walk into the kitchen and my wife's sitting there at the kitchen table. And I tell my wife, hey, hon, I just got a text from uh, Bill. It says, uh, please pray for Tom. He's been in a bad wreck. And the wife says, well, was he driving? I don't know. It says, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. Well, were Carol and the kids in the car with him? I don't know. I got a text that says, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. Well, were the people in the other car hurt? I don't know. I got a text that says, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. Well, what hospital did they take him to? I don't know. I got a text that says, please pray for Tom. He was in a bad wreck. She goes, well, don't you know anything? I mean, what do you know? I know you need to pray for Tom because I got a text saying he was in a bad wreck. I mean, there, there are some of you ladies and some of you men, I don't want to pick it on, that, that, that if, if there's a way for you to find something to worry about, you're good at it. And in many ways, it's like putting another one of those balls in the juggling routine and just keep throwing another one up there. Anxiety. But when I read this verse of Scripture, casting all your care upon him and this care, this anxiety, these things that bring distraction and other areas of my life to bring fear and all this stuff, it says, cast it. The Greek word here means literally to throw. Now, I, I want you to get these. These next couple principles are really important and just foundational and that these alone are probably worth the price of admission this morning. Um, these are good. Do you notice we are not told to take our anxiety and drop it off? We are not told to take our anxiety and just let it go. No, that's not what he says. He says, cast it. Throw it. Brother Matt was mentioned the men were at the retreat this week and they did some athletic endeavors and I'm sure some were better than others. I remember uh, when Jenny and I were, I thought we, we were married or and dating. We went to that, that state fair up there outside of Chicago and Crystal Lake up there and uh, went to a fair and uh, I think uh, we were married, might have been married and they had the thing where you took the little, a little ball and they had, a, they had the stack like of the pins on top and if you, you could throw the ball and hit the pins, you, you, won, the, you won stuff and um, true story, all right, true story what did I win it? Three times in a row? They'd hand me a ball. Because I, I played baseball and I, you know, that day I guess God was blessing me. I wasn't that good of a baseball player. I was a decent baseball player. And I don't know if they just wanted me to feel good or they probably thought, well, look at that. Look at that hot woman. We better let her win a prize. That's probably what it was. Uh, not me. But I'm knocking those things over and throwing. And, and, you know, I played baseball and I still throw a ball pretty well. And I thought about doing that this morning. And then my, my shoulders and my other stuff said, no, that, don't do that. They understand you can throw a ball. But I know to throw a ball well when I used to play baseball or uh, a good chess pass in basketball, um, it doesn't happen. A good efficient one doesn't happen unless there's energy, focus, direction, intentionality. A good throw is not, you know, bless God, some guys, whoo, you know, they'll think don't throw like a girl. And oh, boy, that's a sexist statement, isn't it? My wife played pretty, she played softball. Didn't you play softball? And my, I taught my daughter, Allie's not here this morning, but she'd be a witness. I said, you are not going to throw like a girl. We're going to teach you how to throw them. Get that wrist, cock that wrist. Any rate, don't drop it off. And if you're going to throw it, it doesn't just happen. 
It's something that you and I have to say, make an internal choice that this is what I'm going to do with this anxiety. I'm going to cast it. I'm going to throw it as far away from me as I can. Now, I, I, I wish the text had said a, a different word when we go through word by word here, but it says casting all. The Greek word for my Greek friends here this morning is that great word, one of my favorite Greek words, pos. My Calvinist friends hate that word. Because pos means all. And many times in the scriptures, theologically, it's very clear that God says over and over that God loves all the world. That God wants everybody, all, to come to salvation. And that's the word here. And it's a very strong, clear Greek word, you know, casting all. And I don't think he's making that in a general reference. I think he's saying you're going to cast all all your care. And you say, well, you know, prove that. Well, how about that wonderful verse? You remember that verse in, uh, I think most of you can quote this one too, uh, Philippians 4, 6. Be careful, same Greek word, be worried, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. See the absolute? Same thing. Be all in. Take your cares, your anxiety, cast it, and cast it all. I wish God would have just said, you know, choose the one you want to cast today. Pick your anxiety. Which one do you want to get rid of today? You hang on to the rest of them, and I'll take the one. Now, I understand if you give something to God, he'll, he'll, he'll probably try to take it and work with you. But I'm just telling you, if you want to get a victory over anxiety, it comes with the intentionality of casting, and it comes with the decision that the best that I can, I want to shed, get rid of all of it. Wouldn't that be nice? Now I know you say, Pastor, well, that's a, that's a t- trust me, I know. I, I started this out saying I don't have this mastered. It's hard. But it doesn't change what God says and the truth and the power that is in what's being presented here. You see, if God just said to me, cast the things to me that you kind of really want to get rid of and the ones you're going to hang on to, go ahead and hang on to them, I'd be all right with that. You know, the ultimate reason I'd be okay with that is because at some point that leaves me still in control. Oh, if I hit the foundational issue of our anxiety. Now, I know some of you out there saying, well, I'm, I'm not a type A like you are, Pastor. I'm one of these, I'm a type B. Yeah, 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 yeah. We all want control. And when God and life brings things on us that we know are beyond our control, I promise you that anxiety is residing right there, ready to just pounce all over you. It's easy to say Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. But boy, if there's not a greater verse for prescription medication to deal with anxiety, there it is. I just wish I could live it as easy as I can quote it. You know, it's interesting when the Bible here says, casting all your care casting there is in I'm going to be a little nerd, a little nerdy here a little Englishy, a little Greeky, okay not geeky, Greeky right? um, it's an aorist participle 
And in the Greek and in the English with a participle, um, it's action that is begun in the past but is moving into the present and on into the future. So what Peter is saying is when it comes to anxiety, you've got to pick a point in time where you make this decision, you realize what God's calling you to do, to trust him, to give him the control, to, to recognize the anxiety and throw it to him, to cast it, that it's something that you have to make a start and then you have to keep doing it over and over and over again. My problem is I do it really good for a week or two. Maybe I go to a men's retreat. Well, I'm good for a week or two. I'm casting. And then I go from casting to dropping it off. And then I go from dropping it off to letting it go. And then I go from there to hanging on to it again. And therein is the real life experience of the Christian. Right? But I will tell you, you say, Pastor, there's no hope? No. No, I'm saying when you and I develop habits in our lives, and boy, I'll tell you, the, the whole things about how we're disciplined and how we live our lives is very, very fundamentally important to whether you're going to succeed in anything. You don't have any discipline. You're not going to be very good at any job. And we need to bring that same mindset to dealing with this issue of anxiety. Yeah, I know I told God yesterday that I, I've got this big problem and it's overwhelming me. Well, you know what? Tell it to him again today. Give this verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, maybe Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And as you think about those verses, it's not just, well, I think there's power in the word of God, but you say those things, you say, Lord, help me be committed to that thing in my life. You know my desire in my heart. And then make choices that are consistent with God's truth. I, I think for me, one of the hardest things, because yeah, being a pastor, believe it or not, I have feelings. And sometimes it's really hard for me to recognize that I must choose to listen to what God says more than how I feel. That's tough. But notice he says casting all your care. He doesn't say just throw it arbitrarily. He says to cast it upon him. Another key to throwing out anxiety is to make sure where you're throwing it. I know a lot of people that have anxiety and try to throw it other places. Some people throw it to alcohol. Some people throw it to illegal drugs. Some people throw it to this hobby or that hobby. Some people throw it to immorality. Some people throw it to shutting down. We can throw it to all kinds of places, but the Bible says when you have this anxiety and you're casting it, you're throwing it with purpose and energy and you're, you're throw, throw it to him. He's the only one. How many times do we live our lives thinking that some other human being can solve all our problems? And one of the biggest things I sometimes have to do in pastoring when I do premarital counseling is try to get the husband and the spouses, the fiancés, the in-lovers to understand that that person across from you is going to be hopefully your soulmate, someone you can trust in more than any other human being in this planet. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But if you think they're going to be the solution to all your problems, uh, it's not going to work that way. And all the old married people said, (laughs) no way I want to say anything because they're all going, what do you mean I don't solve all your problems? Jenny's exempted. She does solve 95, 98% of my problems. I can tell you that. But hey, I I chose wisely. Um, Ultimately, it's God. 
Now, does he use people? Yeah, he does. But if you, if you put all that in a person, that's an unfair expectation on them. They're not capable of it. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are safe. Psalm 55 verse 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. John 10 verse 11, Jesus is on the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. God cares for you. It says, casting all your care, that word care in the King James, then you get later in the verse, for he cares for you. Those are different Greek words. God's care is very different than our care. It's a loving care. It's a divine care. And at the end of the day, one of the things I struggle with when I'm going through a lot of anxiety, I question if God really cares. Now, maybe you're a better person, more spiritual than I, but there have been times in my Christian walk a lot of things I'm going wrong, a lot of expectation, a lot of failure, and I look up and I'm like, God, I just need a little break here. Don't you care? And when Satan can get you and I to question or fully deny that God cares, he's got us. So one of the ways required to throw out anxiety is to fundamentally decide to throw it all on him. Choose to believe in spite of all the issues of life, all the disappointments, you choose to believe that God does care. Maybe nobody had anxiety in, in the Bible narrative like Job. You know, his story, <clears throat> pretty, pretty difficult. Losing his children, his wife turns on him, his friends come and give him really lousy advice. And yet, as Job writes in Job 15, some, Job 13, some of my favorite verses, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. A lot of times we get the first half of that verse. Job says, even if he kills me, I'm willing, I'm going to do it. Even if, one of my friends told me this week, even if it all goes wrong, I'm going to still do the right thing before him. For Job went on to say a couple chapters later, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth because ultimately our hope is found in him. You see, as I read this verse, and with this I'm going to stop this morning, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. And this is a little more apparent in, in the Greek, but there's a, there's a symbiotic relationship going on here. That, that God is asking us to cast all our cares, our anxiety upon him. And because he cares for us, he's going to cast that care upon us. Now, this is where it gets challenging. And this morning, I, I'm gonna, as we close, I'm going to get a little bit of your, your help this morning. And I got Vanna White back with me this morning. She's back from uh, helping her dad. Dad, hope you're, my, her dad's uh, recovering from some medical procedures. And so hope... You and mom are doing well. Um, but I want to illustrate this to you in a way that maybe just to visualize it, what I've shared with you this morning, this principle of give and take and uh, dealing with anxiety. Um, and to do that, I want you to give me something, some issue, it doesn't have to be too personal, some issue <laughs> that causes anxiety. Anybody got anything? What if I said, what is it that causes anxiety in our lives today? Yes, Kimberly. Uh, 
our children's salvation. I might just put children in general, saved first. But if you're raising children, whoo, that can bring some anxiety, right? My kids, they were perfect. Um, no. Allison's not here. I can talk bad about her. Um, all right, so here you go. Just bring that up aside. I, this box. I forgot the D. That's all right. That's all right. Little anxiety. It's all right. Um, This is going to represent me picking up some anxiety over my children that I now walk around in life and I'm carrying this. All right. Somebody give me something else. Yes, Lauren. The news. (laughs) That will definitely build some anxiety. Um, Yes, it will. Um, uh, Joe did that. Um, I'm just going to blame him for everything. It's just fun. Um, Yes, it is. Believe me. Um, but you guys, come on, be with me. All right, so I'm carrying this around. Anybody else? Yes, Holly? Pain. Physical pain. If you have a health issue, maybe pain or health, something like that, you can put on there, uh, Miss Jen. And you walk around, you know, you got the kids now. You got, you got the news blaring. You got, you know, physical pain that you're dealing with on, on a daily basis. So, you know, you pick that up too. Oh, you make this fun, aren't you? Okay. Um, we're playing Tetris is what we're doing. Um, somebody give me another one. Yes, Russ. Money. I wondered how, I thought that'd be the first one. Uh, that's, boy, that's a pretty small box for money. Um, <laughs> at least the one I carry around is a lot bigger than that one. Uh, there, there you go. All right, all right. Somebody give me another one. Yes, Jim. The light on the dashboard that says check your gauges. The light on the dashboard that says check your gauges. Um, uh, gas prices. Uh, but how about car issues? That's a pretty good one. Car repairs. Um, that's easy today. I can't even get my car in when I want to get it fixed. Under warranty, and they still won't fix it. See how anxiety I am over that? You all know I think about cars. All right. Um, yes, I, uh, is that Keegan back there? I can't see the lights. Back there with Jason, your son. What did he say? Taxes. Now that's a young man with wisdom back there. Joe did that too. I didn't tell you that one. Taxes, that, that's a good one. Anybody, everybody done with your taxes? I'm not done with my taxes yet, so I'm definitely in anxiety. We use the flushable wife's box for that. That's a, that's a good one. Um, yeah, Lorelei. The weather. Not, if you're staying in Alabama, wait five minutes. It'll, it'll, it'll change. All right, that's a good one, the weather. When the tornado siren goes off, you always remember, is this Wednesday? Oh, it's not Wednesday. Um, if you don't know, they test the system on Wednesday. How am I doing? Am I doing good? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm going to tell you, all these boxes are, are got 50-pound weights in them. Um, so I'm stressing out here with these empty boxes, and, and I'm walking around life. You know, it's getting harder for me really to see, but we'll, we'll, I can still look up this way. Anybody got anything else? Yeah, Whitney? Social anxiety, no doubt. Some people have fear of crowds. You know, I, I never understood that. You know, I'm like, the more the merrier. But I understand it more now, especially if I'm in a doctor's office. They, crowds in a doctor's office and, well, don't worry, Mr. Stadol, this procedure won't hurt at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that one before. Oh, no, put it up. Put, put there, there you go, hon. Is it going to work up there? Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right. Now, you know what's going to happen here before too much longer. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. But in, many of you this morning are walking around like this. Uh, now, maybe on top of this, you have people that have hurt your feelings, that you have unforgiveness towards, that you have bitterness towards, 
it's like adding weights on every single one of these boxes. And I'm told to cast my care upon him, and really what I want to do is pick out one of these boxes and cast it to him, maybe the news. See how difficult that might be for me right now? If I try to get that box out of here, what do you think is going to happen? I'm pretty coordinated, but not that coordinated. But you know where the real problem comes in? Is all this time where God's saying, cast your care upon me because I care for you? Do you think this is what God wants for us? Don't you think maybe God wants us to have peace? Isn't that called the fruit of the Spirit? I had Jenny get me a, get me a box here. Is that, all right, they'll take peace. Whoa, 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 there it goes. There goes. You see, the problem is right now, I can't, unless she puts it up there and helps me, I can't take it. There's very little room left, and even if she puts it in, in somewhere, it's not working very good. Do you see that? You know, cast. You know, that's what you do. You do that. <laughs> Almost hit my wife. Does that record it? No? Didn't happen. Um, versus this. What do you want? So many people tell me, they say, Pastor, I'm praying to God, and I just want God to do this for me. And I want God to be more real here in my life. And I want this happening. I want that. And I, why did, God says he's going to give me all this stuff. How come I'm not experiencing it? I can tell you why you're not experiencing it. Because your hands is full of this. And you don't have room to have this. See it? You see, what, what I do in my life, I would say the normative for my life is I've got two or three of these. I've got my pain box. And, and I can still hold on a little piece. And I go to a church service and I got four or five boxes and the pastor preaches and I say, you know, I, I need to give my health issue to, to, to God. And I, I cast this one, but I'm still holding on to the taxes and the, the news and all the other ones. And, and, and yet I say, oh, I got a little piece and I celebrate it. And I go out and I think, oh, look how good I'm doing. I got a little piece. But that's not really what God intends. And we settle with this halfway Christianity and say, where is God? Does God even really care? Well, maybe you're not experiencing the care of God because you're not being obedient and giving it all. The deep secrets that you know and nobody else does that you've never confessed to God, those, the, the areas your spouse knows, those, it's time to cast them to the one who really cares. Amen? Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for this truth that we've been able to see this morning. Lord, I pray that in some silly way I've been able to visualize it because, Lord, we really, that's how I know how I live my life. And I carry around these weights. And, Lord, you said that your load would be, your burden would be light. God, I pray for each believer that's here this morning. Lord, I, I know that all of us wrestle with some of these things in one way or another. And Lord, I pray this morning that the things that you've brought to their mind, that in their spirit, as they talk with you right where they are this morning, that they would cast them and say, they, they, they get, get, get away from me. And in its place, receive what you have for them. Lord, I'm so thankful that your mercy is new every day and your forgiveness is unending. 
we simply come and confess our sin as 1 John 1, 9 tells us. Lord, I pray if there's one here today who's never received the Lord as their personal Savior, I cannot imagine the anxiety that goes with that. And my dear friend, if that's you, and you're like Adam and Eve where you know you're a sinner, violated God's standards, and one day you're gonna give an account before a holy God, and no matter how good you think you are, the Bible declares boldly that all have sinned. We've all failed. We all need a Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Would you believe in him for everlasting life today? He'll freely give you the gift of eternal life. Holy Spirit of God, thank you for this truth this morning. Unite our hearts together in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand?